What's up, the Life Church? Here from all the way from Arlington campus. Arlington, Texas. I was super excited. I was gonna be here, and I'm like, oh man. I brought my, my gear. I was like, I was so excited to go to the state park and do some trail running. And then the weather had a different decision for me. And I was like, you, you can give me the credit for the rain, but not the wind and the heat. So that's not me. That is somebody else. And, um, but I love being back here in West Central Texas. I'll tell you that. I, uh, I found myself driving around Friday and Saturday and, and especially my son-in-law Friday and we're driving around and I, I found myself back to waving at people. You know, when you're driving and you wave at somebody and apparently I loved it so much and it felt so good that when I was leaving my dad's house this morning on the way to church, I waved at the horse on the way out. <laughs> I mean, you just, man, don't ever lose that San Angelo and everywhere else around here, wherever you're from. Uh, that, is, that is a value that we should absolutely hold on to and a value that I need to remember to have up there in the Metroplex. And uh, hopefully they just give the proper wave back and not the other kind of wave. We don't need the other kind of wave. So anyway, awesome. Uh, so yeah, I'm the Arlington campus pastor, in case you don't know me, uh, Pastor Lane Landers, and uh, here to hang out this weekend and have some fun, and, uh, and so eat some good food, because I'm hanging with my dad, so you know, that's just how it goes, and, uh, and so I'm just excited. Uh, I got a big word I got to get into, and so let me, let me pray, and let's, let's jump into this, and so Father, we thank you for this morning. We give you the praise, and we give you the glory, and we ask you to speak to each and every one of us today. May we see the face of Jesus, may we know of your love, and may we be impacted for the good forever today, in Jesus' name. And if you're with me this morning, just give God a good amen. Amen, amen. Where do I begin? It's so often a question when we've got projects or things, you've got a new job, you've got a new kid, you've got a, a new family, you've got a new situation where do I begin? It's figuring out what's got to take place. It's where do I begin? I've got to fix the gutters. My wife, we were at, at the house there in Arlington, and, and also my wife pointed out one day that we were starting to grow trees out of our rain gutters. I was like, oh my goodness, where do I begin? And, and it's in a day and age of this media society that we have, that we are so blessed that we have answers at our fingertip or tongue tip because we can also just tell the phone or device in our room to give us answers to questions and we seek out information in such an easy way that we've never had access to before. Where do I begin? Will you tell me where to begin? And, and we have such a way that we are so blessed, but, but I think it's important for us to recognize, especially in the church, that even Google doesn't have all the answers. Even though I use it a lot of time for text, for scripture, don't get me wrong, I just gonna let's remove some shame. Sometimes I don't remember that verse is, and I'll Google Bible, and then I'll say what the verse is to find out where it's located. So there, there you go, there's a helpful tip right there. You don't have to be ashamed of Google, and Google's not ratting you out to your pastor. It's okay to Google scripture. And uh, where do I begin? I like how John Maxwell says, today there is lots of knowledge, but little understanding. Lots of knowledge, but little understanding. He goes on to say some other things. Lots of sight, but little insights. Lots of memes, but little meaning. <laughs> I don't get half of them. I don't know about you. When I don't know something, I definitely want to, to Google it. I want to go search. I want to go find the information. And some of the, Maybe that's not your personality. It's my personality. And sometimes I just want to like jump in, though, and figure it out. Uh, I decided to tackle the gutters and 
And, and I'm up there with this really weird tool because I just had stuff on the roof, right? All the rain, all the storms, and I'm working to get the stuff off the roof. And apparently this guy walking his dog thought I was trying to use this very awkward, I'll just tell you, it's a squeegee, right? I couldn't find my rake. I was a squeegee, it's a giant squeegee. And, uh, and I'm using the squeegee just to get the junk off the roof. And apparently this guy, he thought I was so foolish that I was gonna try to clean my gutter, which had the little, like, fence thing, the grill, had to protect to keep the junk out that wasn't working, obviously. And he thought I was trying to use the squeegee to get out, uh, to clean out the gutter. And so he's coming by and he's trying to give me all the information. And, and at first I found myself trying to like, no, 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 sir, like you just misunderstand the situation. Really, I'm not this dumb. Like, like I, 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 I'm, I can do this. But at the same time, we must recognize knowledge speaks, wisdom listens. And even in this situation, and, and, and trust me, this was not my revelation in the midst of this situation of, of my manhood being challenged and whether I can take care of my home. This was, this was not the situation, but, but my revelation looking back. And I, and, I, and, I, and I see this. Let me say it again. Knowledge talks. Wisdom listens. And I, I found myself to just just to entertain the man to, li- to talk to me and give me his wisdom, give me his advice, which was honestly truly helpful because even though I hadn't fully processed my solution at the time, his advice was so wonderful to help me skip some processing of my own, to be able to figure this out and to have a solution and, and get the water hose and do this and do that and, and to fix this situation. And so I thought about that and I figured we need to take a look at wisdom. Where do I begin? The answer, let me tell you right now, is wisdom. And I'll go ahead and give you the answer because Stephen Covey tells us in the seven habits of highly effective people to begin with the end in mind. So I need to begin with the end in mind. What's my destination or what's my hope? And let's begin with that in its correct place. And that's why I also think it's important to, sometimes we look at stories and so often we look at stories and we fail to understand how someone even got to that situation to be able to do something so great. And we fail to realize, well, let's maybe begin at the end of the story and work our way backwards. How many of you like those kinds of movies? You end at somewhere towards the end and then all of a sudden the time's shifting around and you're finding yourself working your way backwards to figure out how they got there. It's the kind of story my daughter hates because she hates, she doesn't like unanswered questions. So she doesn't want to do that. Like she wants to know, let me just start at the beginning and you tell me everything that's going to happen and then show me. But we need to begin with the end in mind. And so we're going to look to a guy named Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. It's quite a bit of text. I'm going to try to go through it quickly because I want to camp out here. But in, we, we find a story of one of the men in the Bible renowned for wisdom being known for this this great ability that he had. And I want to start with one of the most famous stories that displays his wisdom for us to see. Maybe you know this story, maybe you don't, and that's okay. But in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16, sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. I love how the New Living puts this for us. Two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my Lord, one of them began, the woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby and we were alone. It's important. There is no witness. There is no one to give testimony before a king. I love this picture, by the way, that we see that two women who 
let's be real, we might deem to be less than worthy, less than acceptable, are finding themselves in front of not just a judge, not just a decision maker, not just someone who's going to decide the fate of this situation, but the king. There was no qualification to be in front of the king, and so often we allow ourselves and our positions or our past or our history to prevent us from coming before the king, but yet what we see here is that your qualifications are not what, what gives you the presence before your heavenly father. And so back to the story. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning, when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. Life had left. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted, it certainly was your son. Some of you just heard your sibling's voice right there, by the way. You just heard that coworker. You ever get in that argument with somebody and it's like, and it's just like no matter what you say, they're just pushing back. And it's like, it certainly was your son and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine. And they go back and forth. In verse 23, the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. And so a sword was brought to the king. Let's be real for you for a moment that we want to talk about wisdom and chasing wisdom. Ain't nobody in this room probably got this solution for this situation. Like, like I don't know about you, but this don't look like wisdom on the surface to me. This looks like a whole nother crazy situation. And yet what we're seeing is a display of wisdom. Why? Because it exceeds or goes beyond what we think in the natural. There's an important concept here that we're going to look at today. This wisdom doesn't make sense in the natural. And then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to the one woman and half to the other. And then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Give her the child. Let, let the child live. She is the mother. But the, but the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours, neither yours nor mine. I love this, by the way, in this picture of arguments, because this is, this is us. This is the human factor that we see here, by the way. How many times, like, she's getting her way. She's going to win in this court case, but yet she's so buried down deep in this lie that she can't even see her way out that she's got an opportunity to win. Her pain is so great, her, her anxiety is so great, her distrust is so great, her situation is so dire that even in the midst of winning, she's still choosing to lose. And then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants to live, for she is the mother. When all of Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. Say justice. You ever made a wise decision that didn't make sense? You ever made one? Now, maybe you took credit for it, but like, like you know, maybe, maybe your spouse thinks that that wise decision came from your ability, your knowledge, your, your know-how. But, uh, but you on the inside, when you look in the mirror, you're like, man, Lord, I don't know where that came from. I don't know how I did that right. I don't know how I said the right words in that situation of emotional volatility. Where did those words come from? Maybe you're needing a wise decision. 
Maybe you're here today and you're in this situation of life. It's the storm. It's, it's the wind just blowing you around. And you're needing wisdom. You're in a situation. You need to come before the king and you need wisdom. I like how wisdom is not what you know, but how you use what you know. And what we see here is Solomon having a wisdom beyond understanding and, and logic and, and, and earthliness to be able to solve this. And so what I want to do is I want to say, but where does this wisdom come from? Because so often we might think that we're finding wisdom in information or wisdom in knowledge or wisdom in experience. And don't get me wrong, all of those things are good but they may not be wisdom, especially in my experience. I don't know about you, too often I've uh, repeated some of those mistakes. That wasn't wise, right? And you're like, you're in the situation of like not wanting to repeat that mistake again. We formed patterns and habits and addictions and temptations that come against us and we need wisdom. We're making choices and decisions and raising kids and leading jobs and employees and we need wisdom. So let's go back to the story, but remember, we began with the end in mind, so we started at the end of this aspect of Solomon, so let's go back a little while. We'll rewind it just a little bit. Uh, rewind, by the way, I know uh, those of you, you hardly understand this VHS term anymore uh, for you young ones, but rewind is uh, be kind and rewind. And so as wisdom in 1 Kings 3, 5, so we're skipping backwards it says, the night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, he just become king. And Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. This is one of those games that you played as a kid. Maybe you still play it today. The genie in the bottle, three wishes kind of situation. And you're like, yeah, wisdom is never on that list that I'm asking for. <laughs> I, I want the money. I want the thing. I want the fame. I want the, you know, whatever it might be. I want the stuff. I want the thing, but not the way to the thing. Solomon says, now, O Lord, my God, you have made me a king instead of my father, David. But now I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? love this verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life. You've not asked for wealth. You've not asked for death of your enemies. I'll give a moment of silence for you to mourn there. I know, I know. It's not what you get to ask for, or at least it wouldn't be the wisdom of Solomon. But that coworker, I know, I know. I know, my sister, I, I, I can say that safely, I got five of them, so I'm all good. I will give you what you asked for, and I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or will have. And here's part of the thing. So often we're focused on the thing that we want instead of the way to the thing. We're so focused on, oh, if I can just get enough money to fix my bank account instead of the wisdom to fix my situation that got me here, and how do I get out of it? Uh, I, 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 I just want the relationship to be fixed instead of the way to the repairing of the relationship. I just want the miracle to take place. I just want the thing instead of God 
like, can we just skip a few steps here? Can I hit next and, and just move on? But, but what we see is that there is a, is a necessary process for us that we must take time and allow God to work in us and move in us to not just get us to the thing or have the thing, but the process to the thing. And so often we want the shortcuts. And so I have a few thoughts here that I wanted to share that I think will help us understand the way to get there, the way to wisdom for today in this situation. And I think number one is ask. Church, I believe that in today's culture, in today's society, that I don't believe that we ask enough. I believe we ask for the wrong things enough. <laughs> I believe uh, my, my, my kids had uh, some special ice cream waiting for me at the house when I arrived. And, oh, man, yeah, I just had that special ice cream at home before leaving for the kid. Anyway, but, you know, you know the point, we, we, we often ask for the things we don't need or the things that aren't good for us. But I don't believe we ask enough. I don't believe we look to God enough. I believe we rely more on Google than God. I believe there are too many situations in my life where I have relied on the information of what to do than to rely on God. And husbands, let me tell you right now, even if it's just looking for that car key that you lost because you're going to be in trouble with your spouse if you don't find it again. And you know if you ask her, she's going to find it, and then you're going to feel even worse. What if we just took a moment, and it can be little stuff too, and be like, God, you know I need your help right now. I need to find this car key. I need some wisdom to retrace some steps. I go to clean out the gutters and I'm not asking for wisdom. I'm not seeking God before doing this. I'm just jumping in with my squeegee on a roof because that makes sense. I'm just gonna jump into this situation. By the way, I felt like God was testing me. I fix my rain gutters. I get it all good. I get it all working. And then, uh, and then right after uh, sharing uh, this message in Arlington campus last Sunday, and then I've got a garage door issue and I'm, I gotta repair my garage door. So what do I do? I apply all my, my worldly logic to this garage door. I apply all my grunting to this garage door, you know, my, my, you know, the words that I can't say up here on stage. I, I apply everything else to this garage door that won't close, and, and, uh, and, uh, and I go through all this stuff. I go through all my YouTube videos of how to fix, I tell you, I might as well be a garage door expert at this point, but I still hadn't fixed this garage door until finally I was like, God, I don't know. I need you to show me something, and then he finally, I tell you, finally, by the way, when I say he finally, that's, that's, that's a mirror statement. That's a me statement. That's not a God statement. That's a me statement. <laughs> when I was finally able to ask God for help, and then he showed me that the, the impractical thing that didn't make sense at all of a sudden was causing a problem with my garage door that I was able to then fix, show my wife all my know-how and take all the credit. Right, right, men? Right, men? Yeah, yeah. We need to ask for wisdom more often than I think we do. Someone said, a fool wonders, and the wise person asks. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be considered a fool simply because of my lack of ability to ask God a question, to seek out wisdom, to search for advice. In James 1.5, it tells us, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not even rebuke you for asking. He will not rebuke you. I love this picture of even Solomon has these prostitutes coming to him for this situation that surely is so beneath the king of so many people, and yet they're not even being rebuked for coming. And God, a generous God, there's not, only, there's not just a limit to how much wisdom God has. I don't know about you, but you ever feel like there's just, oh, 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 you know what? There are so many wise people in this situation 
Why bother asking? He must have already doled it out to all the other people around me and not me. I must have got the short end of the stick. But he says, God is a generous God. He's not a God of limitation. He's not a God of a little. He's a God of a lot. He's a God of abundance. He's a God who doesn't run out, a God of eternity. And so why would he not have enough for each and every one of us for the need that we have in our lives? He says, ask. Living in the information age, knowledge is easy to come by, but knowledge of information is not the same as application of wisdom. No, I'm not going to go to my life group leader. No, I'm not going to go to my pastor. No, I'm not going to come to this prayer team because I've got this situation handled. I've got it handled. It's all on me. It's on my shoulders. I've got this. I don't need anybody else. And we fail to find wisdom in the mirror. I think it's important that we look at then how. Because I don't know about you, so often I can look at this situation in the same way we as kids would dream about the genie in the bottle granting us three wishes. And let's just be real for a moment. Asking for more wishes does not count. That is breaking the rules. You don't get to do that. Solomon didn't do it either. Feels like a winning lottery ticket, though. Even Solomon in this situation, it seems so far beyond my scope of comprehension, my, my ability to what I think God is doing in my life. Uh, who am I compared to Solomon? And, in, and surely Solomon just won this winning lottery ticket to have God appear to him in a dream, and who am I for God to appear to me? But in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3 through 5, we're rewinding a little bit more. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was Gibeon, so the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want to ask, and I will give it to you. How many times have I read this text and I got to the part where God just appeared to Solomon and I'm like, there's the magical moment. There's the mysterious situation. There's the, the lottery ticket. There's the winning thing that I certainly cannot attain on my own. And yet failed to recognize the two, three verses even before this. And what we see is Solomon recognizing he's got a reverence for God beyond normal. I say, I'm going to place myself in a position. I'm going to position myself for worship. By the way, that's what each and every one of you are doing here today. You are here in the house of the Lord. You are here worshiping his name, praising him, elevating him, that I will place the name of my God above every situation in my life, above every other name, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that I will come into this space and I will worship the God, the God of wisdom, the God of abundance. But sometimes the need is on Monday, not on Sunday. Sometimes Sunday lasts a Monday, but then we hit Friday. And we've been beat up all week, and the temptation's been pounding at our door all week. The habitual uh, way we behave is making its way around the mountain again. It's in the midst of worship that God appeared to Solomon. The dream, his state of mind, 
It's just, it's just a moment of, of worship taking place. It's, it's not the actual location. The location is where Solomon is. Your location of where God can appear to you to be able to bless you with wisdom is where you are. Turn your, turn your car into a, a place of worship. Turn your house into a place of prayer. Turn your whatever it is into a place of elevating God's name above everything else and to say, God, yes, it is not just in this place, but I will sacrifice to you in all places. I will represent you at work. I'll represent you in my family. I'll represent you at the, at the shopping place. And I will recognize you in those situations. Too often, my shame of not knowing and lacking understanding keeps me from wisdom. And instead of entering into God's presence and who he is, I tend to just stay within myself, to close up, to shut down, stay small, stay out of sight. How often we see it in our children even that shame prevents us from asking. Shame keeps, keeps us bottled Shame keeps us from worshiping. Shame will keep us that even though we manage to walk into this place, but who am I to raise my hands? Shame will keep us from wisdom. Shame that creates an insecurity. So then the third thought is purpose, though. Because what if God gives it to me? Sandra Carey said, never mistake knowledge for wisdom. One helps make a living, the other helps make a life. You know this, because your jobs require knowledge, you require education, or whatever kind of education that is, you're, you're, you're having to learn things to be able to earn a, a living, but the wisdom leads us to making a life out of the living. Not about you, but, but I wanna ask, or I want to have a life worth living, not just living a life. And so I, I looked at Solomon, and, and here's the thing. Solomon didn't ask for himself. Don't get me wrong. God wants to bless each and every one of you here today. God wants to bless you. God is a God of blessing. And James, remember, it says, if you are in need, you must ask ask. There is no shame. There is no rejection. There is no condemnation. There is no putting you down. Just ask. But Solomon shows up in this situation and he says, but I don't need wisdom for me. I love that even when we look even earlier, we go even further back in Solomon's story. Even his king David, his father, recognizes the wisdom of Solomon in his situation. Solomon was known already even before this for having a wisdom, but Solomon in his humility says, but I need more wisdom than what I've already attained through education and ability and living life, that I need a wisdom that's beyond me. Why? For the people. And God wants to bless each and every one of you from the moment that God created the earth. He said he created it, and he said, now go be fruitful and multiply. Go and create life out of the life that I've given you. God comes and blesses Moses. Why? Just for Moses to be blessed? No, for Moses to go and to lead people to freedom. God, he blesses Abraham. Why? So that he be a father of many nations. God blesses each and every one of us so that it doesn't stay within us, but moves beyond us to those around us so that we would be a blessing to each and every other person that we can come in contact with. And Solomon says, yes, 
this is the wisdom that I need. And I feel like so often we, we fail to see this greater purpose of, yeah, I need a wisdom in my life that's, that I will benefit from, sure. But God, you know what? I need, some, I need some wisdom to find the way to peace for the sake of my kids, the way to love for the sake of my spouse, the way of patience for the sake of my coworkers. Amen. Somebody give me an amen there. Solomon says, so that I can govern your people. Billy Graham said that, that knowledge is horizontal. It's side to side. But wisdom is vertical. But I would add to it that even though wisdom is vertical because it's going to come from heaven, that we want to take that vertical wisdom and use it for the horizontal. I love this picture. What about me? What about today? And the thing is that we've got something that Solomon didn't have. Solomon here in the Old Testament, so soon or so far beyond the appearance of Jesus, so far beyond a life of our Savior, coming so far before the sacrificial love of our Heavenly Father to give us his one and only Son. And for Jesus to even be arrested and beaten and gone to the cross. And then, but even Jesus is like, but be patient because someone greater than me is coming for you. And what we have that Solomon didn't have is we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so often, I don't know about you, but in Arlington campus, I've got Baptist backgrounds, Pentecostal backgrounds. I got Catholic backgrounds. I got all kinds of different backgrounds, unchurch, non-church. I got all kinds of different backgrounds at Arlington campus. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but sometimes we tend to look at this text in 1 Corinthians 12. And we talk about like speaking in tongues. And us Pentecostals are like, yeah, bring it. Yeah, come on. I want to speak in tongues. And then some of us Baptist people, Baptist, Baptist background, we're like, I don't know about this. I'm just... I'm going to find my way into church and don't, nobody freak me out. Like, and when we really like, and we don't even know what to do with the gifts, but I feel like too often we've overlooked even in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us. Each one of us, a spiritual gift. No one is left out. No one is excluded. God desires for each and every one of us in the church, in the body of Christ, to represent with a spiritual gift. But he says, so we can help each other. Say each other. He even gives us this picture that the spiritual gift that God wants to give you is not just for you to hold on to and to, to, to bottle it up. But he says, no, no, no. I want to bless you with the spiritual gift. Why? Because you are the church. You are the body of Christ. You're the capital C church even. It moves even beyond just this room. There's a body of Christ outside these walls. And I want you to be a blessing to all of them. And how are you going to do it? With my gifts. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. What's right off the bat? So many of us, we are hung up on one of the gifts, and the very first one listed is a gift of wisdom. The writer here, I think, should be bringing a, a settlement, a, a solution, a, a calming to us. He says, look, I want you, each and every one of you, no one left out, to be a blessing to those around you. 
And you're going to need wisdom. More than just a wisdom through philosophy and education and living life, but a wisdom that moves beyond the natural, a wisdom from heaven, a wisdom of our heavenly father. And right off the bat, the ability to get wise advice. But notice here, though, this gift at this moment might not be found in you. It might be found in your neighbor. It might be found in your leader, life group leader. It might be found in your pastor. It might be found in a prayer partner up here at the front of the stage at the end of service. It might be found in texting the church during the week. It might be found... Not your cousin, though, that keeps going to jail like that. That No, no, no. Not that person. Let's use some wisdom in our wisdom seeking. The ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives... Uh, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. We're, again, we're not putting down knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and, and to someone else. The, the one spirit, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. And he goes on miracles, prophecy, discernment, language, and interpretation. We've got a list of, of gifts of the Holy Spirit that is for each and every one of us. Why? For us to be the church. We live in a hurting, broken world, full of information, but little understanding. Full in the information age that continues to double every few hours that there is more information than ever before. But I feel that is more hurting and broken than ever before. And we are so bound up in our inability to ask, in our inability to position ourselves. James says, just ask, but we must realize to position ourselves. I can't tell you how many times that I was in need. But it wasn't how big my need got that God finally answered my prayer. No, it was the asking. It was the worshiping of my knees in my living room saying, God, if you don't come through in this situation, no one else does. God, you are the only one I can turn to. How many times have I failed to do that and how many times have I done that? And how many times in the midst of God's answers and miracles have I still failed to ask again? I believe today this statement right here, the world needs the wisdom of the church. The church needs the wisdom of the people. And the people need the wisdom of God. Not our opinions, not our rhetoric, not our judgments, but a wisdom that comes beyond us from a source that is inside of us, but not us. A wisdom of heaven that is a gift to each and every one of us that we must just ask. Could you imagine a world with a church full of Solomons. Do you imagine a world and a church full of people that we go out into the world after today, after this hour, and we go out with, with, a, with a wisdom beyond just ourselves, a wisdom beyond our own habitual behaviors and understandings, and we went into a world where we could solve problems beyond ourselves, beyond the natural. We'd say, I, I see your situation, and Here's what I believe God is leading us to. I see my situation, and honey, let me tell you, 
Uh, honey, as in like, not that I'm talking to you and calling you honey, but like my wife, you know, you're having a conversation with your spouse. Honey, I believe God is leading us. I know it doesn't make sense, but this is how I feel like God's leading. This is how I feel like God's speaking. This is what I feel God's looking to do. And not just for me, but for others. Why? Because we're the church. We're the body of Christ. We're what he has. We're what he's using. He wants to use us to impact this world, to impact San Angelo, Arlington, Abilene, Texas, West Central Texas. He wants to use us on the other side of the world. I was meeting with a missionary this week who's doing amazing work in the Middle East, sharing the gospel through technology. And God is doing a work in her to be able to impact that those nations and God's doing a work in us so that we can support her in impacting those nations. Come on, God wants to use each and every one of us. He has a plan, he has a purpose, and we may not feel like a king, but we should look to King Solomon to look into the humility to put aside ourselves and say, God, I need you in this situation. I need wisdom in this situation. I've gotta make some decisions, some choices. Psalms 111.10 says the fear of the Lord is the foundation, the foundation of true wisdom. This reverence, not a fear as in being afraid because he's a God of too little and a God of not enough. Because that's a lie of the enemy. But no, a reverence of a God who would love us so much to accept us no matter our position, no matter our title, no matter our label that someone else has given us, no matter the life that we're living and what our house looks like and the dire situation that would bring us before a king. But a king who would say, yes, come to my feet. Come running back to me. Come to me no matter your situation. As I wanna bless you. I wanna put my ring on your finger and my robe of royalty around your shoulders. And I wanna bless you. But I wanna bless you to be a blessing to others. May we see the church today, the fear of the Lord, the worship of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord, the acknowledgement of the Lord in every situation in our lives. It's the beginning of wisdom. And so my question to you today, who needs it? Where do you begin? Maybe you've already begun in your own strength. Maybe you've already begun in your own solutions, your own struggles, your own striving, your own attempts, your own failures. Wisdom is not about getting it perfect, but wisdom is about turning to God every time we don't get it perfect. That's the wisdom of God. And so I believe he's asking you today, he's giving you opportunity through this word. Who's in need? Who needs wisdom? You've got decisions to make. And don't get me wrong, I believe that's each and every one of us, but sometimes, sometimes we don't feel like we need the wisdom as much after the storm. When the sun is shining, the rainbow's in the sky as we do in the middle of the storm. If I may, I would love the honor and the privilege to be able to pray for you here this morning, to bless you. And I wanna pray for you, but 
I did this last time I was here and I feel the need to do it here again today. Because our prayer team is gonna come up here and you have life group leaders. I know it's summertime and, and, uh, and it's, you know, we take a break before relaunching in the, in the fall, but there are life group leaders. There are pastors here on staff and there's Pastor David, come on somebody. There are people in our lives and, and uh, I don't leave today. I'm gonna hang out with my kids for a little while and I'm gonna hang out with Pastor David, my friend for a little while, but I'm not here tomorrow. Now you, can, you are more than welcome to drive to Arlington. You are more than welcome to come up and visit me and hang out and we'll go, we'll go get some food. We'll go get some good food. I, I live in the, the multicultural like epicenter of the DFW though. So I uh, hope you like Indian food, let's tell you that. And, uh, and of course, we got people like Pastor Shavank on staff. I'm going sideways now. Uh, Pastor Shavank on staff that cooks so good, and uh, from India, and uh, leading up our missions team. But uh, but you can come up and see me. But I'm up on stage right now, hoping to speak a word, a wisdom of God into your life today. But I may not be here Monday, or Wednesday, or Thursday. I may not be here at funeral time or wedding time. You've got a home here, a house full of people seeking wisdom who are here for you every day of the week. Doesn't just have to be the preacher man. And so when this prayer team comes up, this is your opportunity, not to have to pour out everything, but to simply come to a, a line to partner with someone else of faith to say, yes, I need wisdom. I need wisdom for my marriage. I need wisdom for my parenting. I need wisdom for my job, my finances. I need wisdom to make this purchase or this investment. I need wisdom beyond me. Because even if I feel like I know everything and I feel like I've got all the answers, maybe I should still seek God before making a decision. So what do you need wisdom for? If you take hold of that in your hearts, take hold of that in your hands, maybe that's your wife's hand or your kid's hands. Maybe it's taking your hand and placing it on your hearts because you need a wisdom for a heart of understanding beyond the sway of the world. Father, God who art in heaven, who is so amazing, so generous, so abundant, so giving, so loving, you see each and every one of us here today. You know our thoughts, you know our hearts, you know our situations, you know our lives, and you know our needs. The needs that we have not yet brought to you and the needs that we bring to you right here, right now, today, online, tomorrow, or whatever our situation is. Maybe it's not even today, but it's when we get the courage to bring ourselves to you. Maybe it's when we have the need to bring ourselves to you. But we come before you, God, as people before a throne, in worship and in awe and reverence of who you are. Say, thank you, God, that you would love us, you would care for us, you would listen to us in our situation, no matter our situation. And we say, God, we ask for wisdom we ask you to guide us, to bless us, to give us an information of heaven 
to bless us with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whichever gift that you would choose to bless us with. But as James reminds us that we come before you without hesitation to ask for wisdom in this situation in our lives. We come before you, a giver of wisdom, with open hands to receive, to say, I will not hold on to this situation as if it was mine to hold on to. But my life is not my life. My life is yours. And I give it to you, God. And I thank you for not just living a life, but having a life worth living. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you're with me, worship God. Just thank him right now. Thank him for what he's doing. Thank him for what he's already done. Thank him for what he's doing that you've not yet to see. Let's stand to our feet right now. This is an opportunity. We are not done yet because as we saw with Solomon, we will worship in every place and every opportunity and raise the name of God above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of lords to say, yes, you are greater than everything else and say, worship put ourselves in position of receiving. Amen, let's worship God.